got football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slaying stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are going to legal on this? Let's send you out on the right note. Uh, PFF sucks. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs> wow. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live on YouTube, and we're about to have Senior Bowl director Jim Nagy joining us talking all things NFL draft and previewing the Senior Bowl. But first... Is 2024 bringing exciting or unexpected changes to your life? Well, here's a secret weapon to help you face those challenges with more confidence. It's a great term life insurance policy. That's right. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to protect your family's financial future so you can focus on what's ahead, knowing your family is protected if something else unexpected happens. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. And Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule and go from start to cover in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. That's meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash pffnfl. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl. What's the official title at the Senior Bowl, Jim? The uh, the czar? What what is the official title? Oh, oh, we can't hear you. We're I don't muted. know if that's showing up. Oh, can you unmute? There it is. Nice. There we what, go. What's now the official back. title, Jim? <laughs> I'm not into titles, guys. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we're good. Let's let's go. Guys, just running the show. All right, Jim. Senior Bowl. It's like I'll be down there next week. I'm making my return. Haven't been there in a few years. I'm back hanging out at practice. Um, High ends, just remind everybody um, about the Senior Bowl, what you're trying to accomplish down there, bringing the best players from the country in here to uh, to show what they can do. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll just put it this way. I feel like we work for the 32 GMs in the league. We're putting this game on for those guys, bottom line. That's why they're part of our process once we get – this board said in things scouted in the fall, usually in the, you know, around Halloween time, that's when we incorporate the teams. You know, we do, we do extensive three hour calls with these teams to try to get this thing right. And that's the goal is just to bring the players they want to see. And sometimes that not always the best player. Sometimes it's a small school guy they want to see against a higher level of competition, like Tyson Bajant last year from, from Shepard. They really needed to see Tyson. So um, that's the goal, man. Just bring, bring the best players. The league wants to see you let those guys evaluate them. Um, and present, you know, provide obviously a stage for these players to uh, to show themselves and really connect with these decision makers. Well, as always, we like to start with uh, the quarterbacks, and we've got some big name QBs going down to Mobile next week. Bo Nix and Michael Penix, the two biggest names. Let's start with Bo. Um, the guy's made more starts in college than any other quarterback in history, but he's got. I'm assuming he's going to start next week. Might have one more start <laughs> under his belt here. <laughs> Uh, what are you looking for with Bo Nix? And, you know, a lot of times you don't get the big names, you know, coming down to throw. But Bo Nix, I think, is going to come down and do everything. Is that right? Well, Steve, we had seven straight years of the first-round quarterback. True. So before last year, we really have had some, you know, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins. Those are some big names. Um, but, yeah, Bo's going to do everything. He's actually down here right now in Mobile doing all his, his QB training. Um with Drake May. Drake May's throwing with him, too. So I went out and saw those guys throw the other day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what, the thing I'd say about Bo, we, I've seen a lot. He's from the state of Alabama. Uh, he's the last guy at the 7A level here in our state, which is the highest level to win back-to-back high school titles. And then we know he went to Auburn and started for a couple of years before he went to Eugene. But the most impressive thing to me is just really shedding the bad habits that he that he developed while he was at Auburn, you know, for quite frankly, behind kind of a leaky offensive line. He, he broke down mechanically. He broke down in terms of his decision-making and, and really for, for lack of a better term, he had to play a lot of sandlot football. Um, but I think that's going to serve him well. We've seen him do it. He's a, he's a really good athlete. I think that's what sometimes gets lost with Bo. I mean, this guy's going to run fast. He can run around. He can make plays, you know, on the run. Um, but then we saw the past two years really rein himself in and play more from the pocket. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to get Bo down here. He and Michael both, he and Michael Penix both were 
were two guys at the start of the season that, you know, we had them circled for us to have a, a good game. We know that quarterbacks drive the bus. That's what, especially on the media side, um, you guys want to focus on. So we knew we needed to have both these guys and, and we ended up with both. And, you know, we really wanted Jaden Daniels as well. And then after the Heisman, like that thing, I mean, Mel Kuyper puts him as the third quarterback. I mean, that's then the train's down the tracks at that point. So, um, but we're fired up to get Bo and Michael both here. How important a week do you think this is for Michael Penix, given the way his season ended? I mean, it was a wild roller coaster ride where after the, the semifinal of the national, uh, the, the college football playoffs, we're talking he's QB three, he's going to go top 15, top 10. And then after the, the, the national title game itself, <laughs> Bruce Feldman's out there saying he might not get drafted. He could be in the second round. It could be anywhere. How important is a good week for him to sort of resuscitate his reputation coming off the back of that game? If that's not so, the social media draft world in a nutshell, um, no, what is? So, uh, no, it's a, it's a big week for Michael because I think it's a big week because now the guys, the decision makers that haven't seen Michael throw, that's what that's the biggest thing about the Senior Bowl to me is like these guys have all been scouted. Scouts have been through these schools, but it's it's the GMs, it's the head coaches for the quarterbacks, it's the OCs, it's the QB coaches um, that are down here that haven't seen this guy throw and he can eat. I mean, he can really hum the football. Um, you know, I think it was three years ago now, three summers ago, I saw him at the Manning camp and I was walking up on the field when Michael was taking a rep and, and he just ripped a seam ball and it, it like stopped me in my tracks. I was like, Whoa, like I did not realize in, I didn't, first of all, I didn't know who it was. And I grabbed someone I'm like, who just threw that one? And they're like, Oh, that's the Penix kid from Indiana. So um, I think he's going to, he, he's going to impress guys with the arm talent for sure. We, we know he's the best deep ball thrower in the class in terms of downfield accuracy, um, but he really has a strong arm. Like I'm, they're, they're not always tied together, but there was one throw in that Texas game on, on one of the touchdowns late in the game. Um, right. It was like on a skinny or something. He just ripped it into coverage. So, so I think that's going to be big. And, you know, Bruce saying that about not getting drafted and all that, that's all tied to his medical stuff. And, right. and that's been talked about a lot. I mean, the, the, the medical will be scrutinized at the combine and all that, but, that has nothing to do with the football player. I mean, what Mike did out there in Washington the last two years was was really impressive. A lot of good tape, man. A lot of good tape. Is there anyone else at quarterback, Spencer Rattler, Michael Pratt? I mean, is there anywhere anyone else that you're looking at to potentially uh, wow some scouts, take a jump, and, you know, again, you, these are all your kids, right? You're not playing favorites yeah. or anything, but you have to, you know, is, is there anybody at quarterback who else uh, who could take a jump here this week? Yeah, I hate leaving these guys out. I, I do think Michael Pratt's the sleeper of the class. Um, he just does so many things. He functions at a high level in so many areas that are going to transfer to the NFL in terms of just like processing, making plays under duress, um, the toughness. He's a, he's a, he's a good athlete too. Um, and again, this is like old school scouting me, but when, when I got into this thing 25 years ago, like we always talked about quarterbacks that raised the level of a program. And clearly Michael Pratt did that. You know, I mean, it's it's impressive what he did there at Tulane. And then Spencer Rattler, um, he is a guy that that I think, you know, in every draft cycle, right, there's guys that the media seem higher on than the league and vice versa. I think right now, just based off, you know, talking to guys around the league, the, the, the league right now is higher on Spencer Rattler than it seems like the media is. You don't see Spencer Rattler's name out there a lot. I know a lot of teams have starter-level grades on Spencer Rattler. Um, just yeah. the maturity, the maturation, both on and off the field with Spencer talking to Shane Beamer and the guys that's in Columbia. Um, I think he's going to do a really good job in the inter interview process, just based off my interactions with him so far. Um, and let's not forget, I mean, this guy can really throw it too. And, and it, going back to like, we talked about Bo Nix having to move around behind a leaky offensive line at Auburn. Spencer had to do the same thing this year at South Carolina. And I think he showed teams that there's, there's more mobility than, than maybe they thought there was going into the season. So it's just it's going to be a fun group. You throw Joe Milton in there. I mean, he's going to be a, I mean, a fireworks show when he launches the ball downfield. I mean, he he's going to have arm strength that that basically you know everyone in the stadium hasn't seen before, unless you were, you know, around when Jamarcus Russell came out of came out in the draft. So it's a fun group, a, a really varied group, a lot of, a lot of different skill sets, but a fun group. Um, I just wanted to follow up really quick. So you mentioned Rattler. I mean, there was a point a couple of years ago when the 21 draft class was kind of like wide open and Rattler was a sophomore, redshirt sophomore, and it was like, well, maybe he's the top quarterback going way back into 2021. And, you know, so there was a point where Spencer Rattler had that hype and then it, you know, 
got suppressed a little bit, and I am looking forward to seeing him play. And then my one question on Bo Nix, because you mentioned his – have you ever seen a quarterback have tape that looks so different between, say, what he did at Auburn versus Oregon? Stylistically, it was like a Jake Cutler style to an Alex Smith style, and it's not like a knock on either guy. It's just stylistically completely different. Have you ever seen something that drastic with what Bo Nix did? Off the top of my head, no. And, and those two comparisons are – it's not bad, Steve. Um, Thank you. Yeah, like I said, I mean, there, I think everyone can can remember that play against LSU where he's running around. He looks like Russell Wilson, and he's, you know, scrambling around and throws off his back foot and, and you know, making some magic plays like that. And then you watch him at Oregon, and he's, you know, he's more harnessed. He's just – he's playing from the pocket. He's making the right reads. He's, he's on time. He's anticipating. It's just – it was two very different quarterbacks. And you get asked that a lot, like about the portal and what it's done to evaluation – I think it's helped clean up the evaluation for a lot of these guys. I mean, if you were to, if you were, if Bo, if Bo Nix were to come out two years ago, obviously the evaluation would have been much different than it is now after those last two years in Eugene. Yeah, I was going to ask how much of an impact that is that's making because you're seeing so many more people now with, you know, they they transfer, they go to a different system, a different environment, and you get a completely different version of that player. Um, on the one hand, it's it's cleaning up the evaluation. You're sort of taking a guy that you knew had the tools and suddenly you're seeing them realize somewhere else. But you probably, I would assume, also get a bunch of guys that seem to come out of nowhere that nobody was really paying attention to. And then they, they do transfer somewhere else and you get this different version of the player and you're like, wow, I didn't I didn't realize this was there from this guy. Yeah, there's a lot of cases like that too. That guys that are just stuck in a in a situation. I mean, Joe Burrow is the obvious one, right? Like we didn't we didn't even know what Joe Burrow was at Ohio State. You know, there wasn't enough enough out there. Uh, we saw what he turned into at LSU. So so yeah, and not just the on field stuff too, guys. Like with with the transfer portal, what it's done for the for the NFL teams is it exposes you to a, a second or sometimes maybe third building of sources on these players. So you're really That's interesting. Like, like Spencer Rattler is a great example, you know, like he's, they've got everybody they can go to that old Oklahoma staff about, you know, to try to figure Spencer out off the field, which is a huge part of this process. We probably even more so than the on the field stuff. And then now they can go to, to coach Beamer and the staff there in Columbia and, and see, and then compare and contrast and, you know, try to, you know, what's, you know, where is it, where are we at with this, with this player? But uh, it certainly helps from a team standpoint. All right, I want to go across a few other position groups here. Let's go to the the trench battles. You know, like when you're at the Senior Bowl and those those few days of practice, watching the one on ones, and for people that don't get to go down to Mobile, um, a lot of times you get to see these clips. You know, on social media, and I'll I'll try to tweet them out up from the sideline. I'll be on the sideline. I'll, make I'll be sure tweeting people... them out. I promise. Yeah, they'll, they'll be tweeted out. The other thing is, look, I you know at the combine, I know those guys. You've got those kind of camp arms. You know, if you need drills, if you need an arm, don't be afraid to call on Steve. Now, look, the baseball velocity is gone, but he can still sling a, a football. So, if you need, you know, they need some reps. Just the, the the guys you actually need in the game. You don't want them wearing out the arm. If you need someone to just fire some fastballs, Steve's there for you. Thank you. Yeah, I am available as a camp arm next week, Jim, <laughs> if needed. Uh, I love it. No, it, it's at the combine in the in the gauntlet drill. Yes, right? when exactly. Running, we're running the gauntlet. It's <laughs> exactly um, what I'm thinking. I actually of. had to do that one year at the combine when I was a group leader. They pulled me out to throw the gauntlet drill. So, Steve, if, if this year's coaching staff, I don't know what they're going to do at practice this year. If they come down and one of the coaches. Jeff Ulbrich from the Jets wants to run the gauntlet for the receivers. We'll we'll grab you. Oh, there geez. we go. Don't need to embarrass myself throwing <laughs> a football, but yeah, I'll, I'm there. I am there. I'm, I'm a team player. Whatever you need here, Jim. Uh, but the, the the trench battle's awesome. You know, just I'm looking at the um, the consensus draft board for whatever it's worth right now. Several offensive tackles who are going to be down there. Several interior offensive linemen. Uh, what are your thoughts on the O line group? And then we'll talk a little D line as well. Yeah, the O line group is. Uh, uh, probably our strongest group. I mean, I, I think there's seven or eight guys that could go in the first round. I'm not saying they will. I think right. they'd have a chance to. Um, you know, my first year here at the game was uh, 2009, the game of 2019, the fall of 18. Uh, we had five first-round offensive linemen. I think we've got a chance to, to at least meet that or maybe exceed that. Uh, so, so, so a really good overall group. Um, you know, and the guy that maybe I'm most excited for everyone else to see that maybe hasn't seen – a lot of Oklahoma tape is Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. And again, I, I've said this before, like I'm, I'm taking zero shots at Olu Pashano from Penn State or Joe Alt from Notre Dame. Those guys are great players. They check all the boxes. They're going to be very good pros. 
Um, so I'm not saying this because they're not at the senior bowl. I'm saying it because I, I think Tyler Guyton is the highest ceiling tackle in this class. He just, he just does things athletically that those guys can't do. So, um, you know, when he's down here, he floats. I mean, this guy's a former tight end at TCU. He just, he floats around like some of the stuff at the second level and out on the perimeter and just redirecting and dancing and pass protection. Uh, it is pretty, man. It is, it reminds me of Tyron Smith. That's the, uh, I, I don't use a lot of player comp stuff, but, uh, but I do think he reminds me a lot of Tyron Smith when he's coming out of USC. So he, he, he'll be a guy. I think when we get out of senior bowl week, you're going to start hearing some top 10 buzz about. Oh, wow. And the, the Ty, Tyron Smith was, I mean, the, the, you know, a developmental type of player, right? He got it pretty quickly by year two. He had it. But, yeah, Tyron Smith was an incredible athlete mover and still is, even and at is, his older age. And is also probably, like, if you're going back through, you know, the last 10, 20 years of sort of prospects coming out, Tyron Smith is probably the, the first guy that you would stop and say, best pass protector since, you know, when coming out. He would be the gold standard for certainly a while. Uh, yeah, about, probably, probably since Walter Jones. Yeah, right. Uh, what about some, a guy like Graham Barton from Duke? You know, played tackle at Duke. How do you handle uh, how how many people in the NFL are looking at him at tackle versus guard, and how do you handle that in the Senior Bowl? Players that are potentially positional ver, position versatile, or just teams have different uh, opinions on where this guy would play. Well, I wish we were handling Graham at the Senior Bowl. He's not going to be able to be down here. You know, he had a he had a. Um, a bad injury, you know, two games left in the season. So he missed the finale. He was with his, with the team up in Birmingham for his bowl game as kind of an assistant offensive line coach. So he had a surgery. Oh, that's good. Um, it's going to keep him out. He was down here in Mobile over the summer. Uh, Riley Leonard, the quarterback at Duke, who's his best buddy, um, Riley's from down here. So I took those guys out to dinner over the summer and we, we talked about it back then. I said, you know, Graham, how are you, what are your thoughts about playing center during the week? Because I personally think your, your highest ceiling is a center, man. I think you could be an all pro center. He's like, let's do it because he, he did it his first couple of years at Duke and then they moved him to tackle. Um, so that was the plan was to rep him primarily at center and then kick him out to let him do some tackle work. But uh, but it's you know, he's going to I think he's going to be OK to uh, at least do maybe not combine, but but certainly pro day. So I think he'll get part of the process in. But uh, those are all conversations that we have with the players before they come down. I actually have Zoom calls with uh, both sides of the ball for both teams tomorrow with the coaching staffs kind of going over the position flexibility and uh, you know, cause certain players, you know, embrace it. And certain players are like, you know, Jim, like I don't feel good in a right-handed stance. Can you just, I'll, I'll play left tackle and left guard, but I don't, I don't really want to go to the right side. So I, I need to communicate that to the coaches, but, uh, but yeah, the plan for Graham was, was a lot of center work. I want to ask about um, the running back position in particular, cause how, so how do, uh, teams approach what they get out of looking at the running backs during that week? Because I have a, a couple of questions just from sort of scouting some of these guys that it's a great environment, I think, the Senior Bowl to see them in a different offense, a different system. Marshawn Lloyd from USC in particular, you watch that USC offense and, like, he looks amazing. On the other hand, he's running into five-man boxes with just wide open spaces everywhere. And when you watch his tape, you're like, this is almost completely – irrelevant to the NFL. You're never going to see a play that looks like this in the NFL. But now you go to the senior ball and you see him in a more conventional offense and just a different environment and see how it works. And then Ray Davis from Kentucky, slightly different thing. But one of my big questions uh, from him on tape at Kentucky is the vision stuff. What are teams trying to get from running backs in this environment? and How much can they get out of it beyond obviously the one-on-one -on -one drills versus linebackers and the pass protection and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Marshawn's the best back in the draft, in my, in my wow. opinion. Um, I think he's super talented, so explosive. Yeah, he's got some wide open space, but he creates a lot of that space, space himself with his, with his explosion. Um, if, if you talk to running backs coaches around the league, and we're fortunate, we have uh, Sylvester Kroom, uh, Coach Kroom, coach in the league forever, obviously a legendary college coach um, at Mississippi State. But in, in his thing is was always pass protection. That's the biggest thing. You know, these guys don't do a lot of pass pro stuff at the college level. Um, so that and then catching the football. I mean, some of these guys nowadays are catching a lot of balls at the college level, but for the most part, they're not. So really, this week is big for the passing game for these guys. Um, I would say if, if you're if you were asked asked any running back position coach where he would you know coming into the week where he'd rank it, I think he put pass pro one, 
you know, receiving two, and then the run skills part of it, three. I want to go to the defensive line a little bit. Some big names there. Eliatu Latu from, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but from UCLA. Um, probably the big, I mean, that guy's going in the first round, right? And how much is he going to do this week? And then, you know, our friend Dave, Dane Brugler, I think the first person to put Texas defensive tackle Byron Murphy in a first round mock draft. He had a great year at Texas. I know you've got the the two Texas kids, Devondre Sweat and, and Byron Murphy there, completely different players. But what do you expect out of this D-line class? And um, are there other names besides uh, Latu and, and Murphy that you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, I'm really excited about about Latu. And again, he's a guy I really appreciate Latu's, like his competitiveness because guys were, that are ranked where he's ranked, right? Like there's a lot of people telling him that they shouldn't be coming to the Senior Bowl. and. Right. and and again, I, I don't agree with that. I mean, if you're going to be a top five pick, I get it. Like last year when Devin Witherspoon's agent called and, and ripped him out of the game in early early January, once Daniel Jeremiah put him as the his fifth best player, I got the phone call literally like two hours later, um, <laughs> and I didn't fight it. I get it. Like yeah. Devin was going to be a, a top, you know, top five, top seven pick. Um, but I'm sure there's a lot of people in Latu's here telling him not to come down here and do it. And you know what? Like he 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 doesn't care. He wants to come down here and compete and show everybody that, yeah, people are talking about Jared Burse, who's not going to be here, and they're, they're talking about Dallas Turner, who's not going to be here. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna go and show them I am the number one pass rusher in the draft. So what and what makes him different, guys? You, you've seen it on tape. Like, he is so skilled. I mean, some right. college – most college pass rushers, they win with some sort of physical tool, whether it's like speed or power, um, but they're not really great at their craft. I mean, this guy is an accomplished, an accomplished pass rusher, so <laughs> – um, he's going to give guys fits. And the nice thing is we have a lot of first round tackles. You got Jordan Morgan and Patrick Paul and, yeah. and you know, down the list, there's a lot of good guys he's going to be able to show up against. And then, uh, you know, the other two names like Chris Braswell from Alabama, who was kind of overlooked because of a guy like Dallas Turner, um, a former five-star guy that really had a breakout year this year. Now that Will Anderson went to the league. Um, and then a name, to, a name to remember right now is Marshawn Nealon from Western Michigan. He is a guy that teams already have top 100 grades on. Uh, you know, group of five player, which for our game now is is basically a small school player. Um, I think we only have four sub FBS guys in the game anymore because of the transfer portal. Right. So Marshawn's technically for us a smaller school guy, but but heavy, heavy hands, versatile, can get home from from all up and down the line, and, he, and again play just plays super hard. So. Um, I think Nealon's a guy that, that coming out of Senior Bowl week, you're going to start here. And right now it's top 100. You might start here in top 50. I don't know if you guys track the, uh, the kind of social media analytics during the week, but one of the things that happens every single year, there will be a one-on-one -on -one rep where a wide receiver absolutely eviscerates a cornerback, you know, sends him off the screen, makes an incredible play, and that's the thing that goes crazy. Last year, Tank Dell had one of those plays where you're like, oh, yep. this is insane. Who's the receiver coming out of this week that's going to have one of those reps that's going to go viral, and that's the guy everyone's going to be talking about? Um, gosh, that's a great question. I really like this receiver class. There's some, there's some really under-the-radar names now. I mean, right now there's so many juniors at least being talked about at the top end right now with, like, the two Texas kids, you know, um, you know, Polk at Washington, Franklin at Oregon. I mean, the two LSU guys. So um, I think a couple of those guys, Ricky Pearsall from Florida, I think is a guy that's going to going to wake a lot of people up. I think Ricky doesn't get out of the third round. Uh, I think he's going to cook some guys. Jacob Cowing from from Arizona is a guy similar to Tank, smaller guy, um, maybe not quite as shifty as Tank was, but but just as explosive and probably faster. So, uh, you know, Scott McLuhan, the former 49ers, uh, Washington GM, was on our staff this year, and he saw Jacob play live. I have not yet. And his comparison for Jacob Cowing was Deshaun Jackson. And I was like, I was like Scott, and he, and he was with him. He had him in Washington with him. So wow. I was like, Deshaun Jackson, he's like, he's like, Jim, I'm telling you, like, wait till you see this kid in person, how fast he is. So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see Jacob Cowing's speed. Nice. You have, uh, we have G GPS tracking next week like you've had in the past absolutely I... yeah we got the zebra technologies as our nice. as our data partner um they're with all 32 teams so it's a good apples to apples uh yeah. for the 32 clubs and yeah i mean we've had i'm trying to think of the fastest guys over the last few years terry mclaurin was the fastest guy my first year here Tariq woolen's the fastest guy ever um that we've had on the on the zebra stuff so yeah we will we will have that all week
Ricky Pearsall, because we, we have uh, computer vision player tracking. So we have uh, all of the college data there. So we have their top speeds and you know average top five max speeds and, and uh, homespun athleticism score. But Pearsall has shown really well in those. So if they're, it's usually a pretty good trend. It, it's like a slightly different scale, I think, because you're using different technology. Like you said, apples to apples helps with uh, Zebra. But I think Pearsall might look really fast next week when the when the numbers come out. That's my my quick prediction for the Senior Bowl. Love it. Love uh, it. How about the the defensive back group? Because I'm again, I've got I've got my early draft board here, Jim, and it's all based off of you know the consensus board and, and where guys are. Uh, much like the offensive tackle class, I'm seeing a lot of potential top 100 corners, and then I want to talk about the safeties and how the the underclassmen have um, helped that safety class. But what are the, what's this cornerback group look like? Looks like there's a lot of potential top 100 players here. I think it's a strong group. I really do. I've seen some stuff online that people are questioning this year's corner class. It was. I liked it because it was pretty easy for us. Like sometimes you get down to like the, you know, if we're bringing, you know, 14 corners, you get down into that, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and you're getting into the later rounds. And, and, you know, we, we try I mean, the goal here is to get every player drafted. Uh, it doesn't always happen that way, obviously bad medicals and, you know, guys don't run quite as fast as we think they're going to at the combine or whatnot. But uh, man, we were like fourth round or higher on, on basically the entire corner group. So, um, a lot of good nickels in this year's class. I would say Quinion Mitchell is the guy you're seeing his name in some mock drafts now. Um, you know, we didn't have him in the first round. We had him in the second round, but you're seeing him in some mock first rounds. But a Toledo player, right? Another group of five guy, like Marshawn Nealon out of the MAC. Uh, long, ball skills, tough, competitive. Can't wait to see him down here. Um, God, we, I, I would love to go through that group. Kalen King was our one junior corner. We had a bunch of junior safeties we'll talk about, but but Kalen King from Penn State was a guy that last year, when everyone was going in to see Joey Porter Jr., everyone, oh, you know, guys in the NFL started no, noticing Kalen King on the yeah. other side and what he was doing. Um, and then this year, just like was nicked up a little bit, I think, and, and didn't maybe play to quite the level that that teams expect or, or probably Kalen expect. And that's why he's coming down. Um, but if you go back to the 22 tape, I mean, this guy looks like a second round draft pick. So um, the tape did look a little different, but I know that Kalen's locked into this week and and getting back to maybe where, you know, people projected him. He was. He was in a bunch of the mock first, way too early mock first-round drafts over the summer. Um, so he was a cool ad for us. His first junior corner in the Senior Bowl. We're excited to get him down. Yeah, how did how did that process work for you guys? This is the first year, right, where you're, you're bringing in underclassmen. Um, obviously, defensive backs is where you've got a ton of them. How did you sort of decide to attack that process for the first time? How did it work? Well, the, the good thing is we, we had a heads up. Um, you know, people felt like I think the, the NFL dropped that news, uh, the league office. It was like the first week in November because I was out on the road that day. I think I was at Kansas State um, giving a couple guys invites up there in Manhattan and it dropped. But we, we had, had conversations with the league office back in August that it would be a possibility. So we had our staff out at games all fall and watching tape of these guys. So we built the board with the juniors. So we didn't have to, you know, we weren't scrambling, you know, to, to restack everything. But um you know, the nice thing is these guys all have agents now. You know, they all have NIL agents. So um, we we did. We had to back channel a lot of those conversations through them. We, we were very upfront with the league office about that, too. Like, we're not going to bother the players. Like, we, we never reach out to players during the season. We don't DM them. We don't try to call them. We, we let them focus on football. At least that's our belief here. Um, but you do. You have conversations with those guys. So, you know, which way is he leaning? Is he leaning on coming out? Would, would, would you send him? If you're the agent that gets him for the contract, you want him in Mobile? So a lot of those conversations. But, at the, you know, so it just was way more fluid, guys. Like, we, we usually feel locked into our roster in early December. And, sure, things change. Guys tweak hamstrings during training, and they, they drop out. Um, but we usually felt pretty good in December. Now, that process dragged into January this year. And, uh you know, just waiting and seeing and seeing which guys went back. And it was it was surprising, man. There was a lot of guys that, that we that we had top 100 grades on um, that we thought were, which should come out and would come out that went back to school for for NIL. And uh, so then we had to circle back to, to the seniors that we had graded, you know, in, in, in like the fourth, fifth round area. So it was just more of a sorry to be long winded, but it was certainly a different process for us this year. There is no such thing as long winded here on the PFF <laughs> NFL podcast, Jim. We do two-and-a-half-hour weekly recaps, <laughs> game by game. And I don't even, and I feel like we don't even talk about everything. I feel like we leave something on the table. So we could go for hours here, man. 
Um, all right. I want to discuss that NIL stuff, though, that you're talking about, because we, we've got all these different variables over the last couple of years. We've got the COVID year. We're seeing the kid from Miami now has a ninth college football season, in part because of COVID and injuries. Um, so you've got extra seasons. You have NIL, which, you know, that landscape seems to change. How is all of that affecting not only your process, but I think more importantly, the NFL draft, the depth of the draft? Like, what are you seeing with all of those variables right now? It, it has created um, confusion. It's not the right word, but but I mean, it, it's really hard to sort all this stuff out. And even I'll give you an example. So this past week, we, we lost a, a defensive back um, who is trying to come back off an injury. And we we're kind of playing the waiting game with the agent to see how it would respond and right up to the 11th hour and, and, and got a call the other day that it wasn't going to didn't look like it was going to happen. So um, I screenshotted a picture of our board with like four board tags. Like that's our, like our emergency list kind of. Um, and I sent that out to about, I don't know, like 15, 16 teams, guys in the, you know, upper levels of front offices. And like, which, which guy would you want? We needed to be, we needed to be. And uh, the guy that was kind of, there was like two guys and it was kind of split, but one of them, um, you know, so teams wanted this one player. And uh, one of the teams was like, Jim, he might be hurt. You might want to check into it. So I called his head coach and I'm like, you know, what's, where's this guy at right now? He's like, oh yeah, he had a foot injury. He's coming back. He's coming back to us next year. None of those 15 NFL teams even knew that. So like, wow. they're, they're like, we're the senior bowl. Like we're this mom and pop operation in Mobile, Alabama. And, you know, stuff slips through our cracks. Like these are billion dollar NFL branch and they didn't know. Like it's, it's getting so hard to know like where these guys are at. Right. And so I'll say this, like, I'll try to wrap it up quickly, but like, I posted something over the weekend about day three of the draft kind of falling apart. Um, and what happened was that we invited the first maybe top 100 and we saved, I want to say we saved like 30 roster spots for juniors, at, you know, in, in, in different uh, different amounts at every position. Um, and so then what happened was, and this isn't me saying it, and I don't mean it to sound any certain way, this is coming back from the agent community and some coaches. Like when kids didn't get senior bowl invites in November, some of them panicked a little bit that like, you know, the league didn't view them a certain way, so they, they jumped in the portal. Like, there was a running back, an SEC running back we really liked, right? But we only invited four running backs out of the whole country on the first wave of invites, saving four, four spots for juniors. Well, Braylon, Braylon, uh, Braylon Allen from Wisconsin wants to focus on his 40. Um, Travion Henderson goes back to Ohio State. So that, that junior group started to take some hits. When we circled back to this player, he was already in the portal and, you know, signed a big NIL deal. And if he would have come out in this year's draft, he would have been like a fourth or fifth round draft pick. So, like, guys panicked a little. So, like, day three of the draft, at least on our board, like, all our depth of our draft, when we circled back in January to get those next guys, they were already committed to go back to college football. So, it, it's uh, – it's it's – it's interesting, man. Like we got, I'm not belly aching. Like we got, we got the roster we wanted. We got, we love all the players we're bringing. Um, but if you're a team and you're, you've got a bunch of day three draft picks stockpiled, um, I think it's going to be really thin. I think, you know, if I'm a GM, I got to start thinking about right now packaging picks in the, you know, first two days of the draft to move up and maneuver a little bit or, or trade out next year and try to, you know, get picks for next year. Once we're out of this like extra COVID year, the extra COVID year thing, is really affecting things just because schools are using it. Schools are right. schools are convincing these guys to come back for another year with a little NIL money. Um, when probably the best football decision is come out in the draft and and start making start making real NFL money. But uh, so a lot, lot, guys. There's so many factors at play. This whole thing in the last two years is it is so much different than it was two years ago. I can't even tell you. Yeah, I mean, I thought a couple of years ago the opposite was true, right? It was the year the Ravens. Uh, they had six fourth rounders, I believe it was. And I think that particular draft class was really deep in round four and maybe into round five. So it is interesting that there's not like this, uh, you know, consistent trend. It really is kind of year to year. Like, I think at some point this thing evens off, but it's interesting that you're saying, I think we were coming off a deep draft two years ago. Last year was maybe middle of the pack, whatever you want to call it. And you're saying, hey, maybe day three this year isn't great, which means those same guys next year, you know, are they top 100 next year? Are they still day three guys? Whatever it might be, it might actually be a deeper draft next year if you're just looking at it, you know, maybe beyond the quarterback situation this year, which looks really strong. So it, it, keep as, as an NFL team, keeping up with all of that, I think is 
uh, smart teams will be able to anticipate that, right? And say, look, we're gonna right. we're gonna put our draft picks in the places where we think the strength is gonna be for the you know the long term health of the organization. Sorry, right? Really no, question, it's, but- it's gonna separate. It's gonna separate the best front offices from from the rest. And it's a and it's a moving landscape. Like that's the thing about all this is that this year is going to be different to last year, going to be different yeah. to next year. It, it's not like this is the new world right now, and this is how we need to approach it. Every team needs to be looking at this thing and saying this is going to be different for the next two, three, four years until it settles into some kind of regular like new world. All right. right. I mean, there, there there's it, it's too there's no trend yet, right? right. Like you yeah. try to follow trends, like there's just there's not a trend yet. All right, one more question about uh, Quinion Mitchell from Toledo, who you mentioned earlier. He did not play a ton of press coverage at Toledo. One of my favorite Senior Bowl memories was being there on the sideline watching Rasul Douglas, who had played all off coverage at West Virginia. And he's you know big and long. And of course, at the Senior Bowl, it's like, all right, we're going we to play press coverage, man. It's the NFL. You got to play, play bump and run here. And he would right. get flagged over and over <laughs> and over again. And I didn't think it was because he was getting beat. I think he was just trying to like figure out what can I get away with, and he was learning, basically learning a new technique. How do you? Because I, I, you said, hey, we talked to the players. We want to put them in best position to succeed. How would you balance that for someone like Quinion, who is, uh, you know, I'm sure the NFL wants to see him in those situations, but you know, that'll be kind of uh, new territory for him. Yeah, sure. They, of course, they want to see that, and because I think it plays to his tool set. You yeah. know, I mean, the guys, the guys, a big corner. He's big, strong, aggressive corner. Uh, from an evaluation standpoint, I guess what you're looking at for me, I mean, the hand thing is, you know, the hands are one thing, um, but I'm looking for the reactive athleticism. Like, can he mirror and match at the line of scrimmage? What do the feet look like? Again, we can clean up some of the jam stuff, like hand placement. Um, we can clean, you know, teams teams can clean that up. That's a, that's a rep thing. But we're looking for that reactive component when he's up there at the line of scrimmage and how physical he is and and, and really how confident he is. But, um, yeah, though, it, it – that's the, the best part of the week for me is seeing some of these guys do things they weren't asked to do in college. Um, and again, giving the three-day evaluation period time to develop. Let's not make any snap judgments because of what Tuesday looked like. I mean, I think I think smart scouts come down here. I tell our players at orientation, like Tuesday to me used to be kind of a throwaway day because you're, you're knocking off the rust. And I'll say this from, from like where I'm at now, the position I'm in now, there's a lot more anxiety um, in these players than I ever realized when I was on the team side, you know, like we see, I see it when they get off the bus, like you would, and I've heard it from, from some of our past players, even, you know, we, we have these guys down here in the summertime for our, our hall of fame event. And I, and it's come up time and time again. And like these speeches that they do, I remember, I remember distinctly Cam Jordan a couple summers ago. He's like, yeah, I was all pack 12. I had all these sacks at Cal. Um, but I didn't really know how good I was. Like, I didn't know how I stacked up in the draft or anything, but, after spending the week in Mobile, like that's what I needed as a confidence boost. I knew after I went against those the guys who were at the Senior Bowl, I'm like, okay, I belong here. Um, and again, you, you, all this, the vast majority of the small school guys have that anxiety, right? They're coming down here from a FCS school or a D2 school, and they're going up against a guy with a Georgia helmet or a Bama helmet. I mean, that's that's typical. But all these guys have anxiety. So, like, to me, day, day one is like, just let's get them out there, move around, shake off the stuff, and then. But like Wednesday should be a little better, and then really Thursday should be even better, and then and then watch him play in the game. So, um, but I'm but I'm with you. I, I'm with you there. Like I do I do remember that Rasul Douglas uh, practice when he was out there mugging guys. How difficult is that as a balancing act to you know get guys that haven't done a certain thing? Obviously, the NFL wants to see them do that, but it, it's automatically sort of putting them in a position that they're not showing their best stuff, right? Because they're doing something new. They're trying to learn on the fly. They're trying to show this element of the game that the NFL hasn't seen before. And they're already dealing with the anxiety that you just talked about of, you know, going into an all-star environment. How, how much of a balancing act is there between, you know, let's just get this guy out, show him his best stuff versus we actually need to see this thing that we haven't seen on his tape before? I mean, I'll say this. I think from a team's perspective, um, I think they appreciate a guy's willingness to put himself out there and compete, right? Like, I'm just trying to think of guys that have come down here and snap snap the ball for the first time in a competitive environment in their lives. So, like, Cole Strange from Tennessee Chattanooga, Zion Johnson from Boston College, Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, 
I mean, those guys were all, they, they'd never snapped. And it, they've ne- they'd never had anyone over them. Like they'd, pre- they'd snapped in pre-practice, in pre-game. They'd never like fired off the ball, got the snap hand up, tried to, you know, try to neutralize a guy. So, but the willingness to do it and put themselves out there. And I'd say the best case of that is Robert Hainsey uh, from the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, Robert came down here. He, he was at Notre Dame the same year as Liam Eikenberg. Uh, we had invited Liam Eikenberg and we hadn't invited Robert, Robert Hainsey. Um, and I can tell this story now because it's in hindsight and Robert's doing awesome. Um, but Brian Kelly called me and he was like, Jim, can you invite Robert Hainsey? He's like, the guy's a two-time captain here. He's a three-year starter. And I'm like, well, Brian, he's kind of like right at the cut line for us. Like he'll be kind of a later a later ad for us. And he was like, Jim, you would you'd really be doing us a favor, man. Like this guy's been great for the program. So we brought Robert down here. He'd only played guard and tackle at Notre Dame. He plays center down here. He looks more natural and better at center than he ever looked on Notre Dame tape at those two other positions. And when coming down here, the league had him in the sixth and seventh round, and that's where we were. He goes in the third round at the Tampa Bay Bucks. So I, I think teams appreciate guys. And again, you're not going to knock them. Like if it doesn't look great, you're not going to sit there and beat a guy up if he doesn't look great doing something he's never done. But the fact that he was willing to try it, you're like, okay, this is a competitive guy. He's wired the way we want him to. Because when you get to the NFL, I mean, you, you, on a 53-man roster, you're going to get in the middle of a practice week and your nickel's going to go down and you're going to have to move an outside corner inside and he's just going to have to do it. He's going to have to figure it out. So um, that's what I would say. And we, we, trust me, we, we try to put him in all the every situation to excel. Um, and when you get down to the root of scouting, they're looking at the athlete. They're going to look at it, movement, strength, tools. I mean, this has become such a traits league that these guys are just looking physical performance um, way more so than technique. When you're asking a guy to do something for the first time and they don't look great at it, it's usually a technique thing. I love it, Jim. I'm excited. I can't wait to be down there. Be down there on the sideline. What is the uh, what does the coverage look like next week? Where could everybody keep up with everything Senior Bowl related? Yeah, so practice will be on the NFL Network. It'll be on the uh, NFL Plus mobile app. It'll be uh, ESPN will be covering practices. So, um, yeah, we're going to have 12 hours of practice coverage on all three of those platforms and then following along with you guys. I mean, I mean, that's been the cool thing about social media. I mean, guys are in real time. Guys that have field access, you guys will have field access. So you'll get really good shots of those one-on-ones. I mean, it's, it's easier than in the stands when guys are up there trying to shoot that stuff. So you guys will have great stuff. I try to get my phone out a little bit and shoot some stuff from practice. So, um, yeah, that's that's where you find us. Then game day, we're on the NFL Network. They've been a great partner for us. Um, I don't know how many years we're going on the NFL Network game day-wise, but, man, it's over a decade. It's been a long time. Shooting yeah. from the stands or from Steve's eye view, it's pretty much the same? Yeah, yeah, same same angle. Yeah, thanks, Sam. No, I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Um, and, yeah, man, it's uh, – it's here. The draft starts in Mobile. This is this is the the tagline, but it's real. And there, there was a couple of years ago, I was thinking, forget the Pro Bowl. The NFL needs to feature the Senior Bowl more, and it is a perfect time after the conference championship, the whole practice week leading up. You know, during the bye week of the Super Bowl, I think the timing is great, and it is a great time for fans because we know that after this weekend, thirty fan bases are already pointed toward free agency in the draft. So the timing's great, and you guys do a great job continuing to grow the game and kick it off, man. So we're looking forward to it. No, and thank you guys for all you do. I mean, we use all your your resources all year long. You're a huge part of our, our scouting process. I can't thank you enough. I mean, the ultimate stuff is unbelievable for us, being able to filter and sort guys. I mean, again, we've got Phil Savage, my predecessor, warned me when I took the job. He's like, Jim, your draft is in November, not April. Yeah. So, like, you have a really condensed evaluation period to really learn these players. So, Having it, ha- having your guys' stuff has been absolutely critical to us. So, so thank you for that. And, and I'll say this: we just this is our 75th anniversary, so it's going to be a really cool year. You're going to see a lot of all-time greats back down here. Um, Jerry Rice is coming, you know, with his son nice. playing in the game. Ed McCaffrey's son's in the game. Ed will be down here. He's the Senior Bowl alum. So there'll be a cool like there'll be a cool uh, kind of star-studded factor to the week this year that that uh, will be something new. So can't wait to see can't wait to see you down here. Yeah, thank you so much. And Jim, we'll have you back on the podcast, you know, at some point leading up to the draft. We'll, you know, recap the Senior Bowl at some point and, you know, get some some fresh takes from you as we lead up to the draft. So appreciate you joining us again here today. Awesome, guys. Love it. Thank you. See, see you next week. Thanks, All right, Jim. Jim. Thank you. Take it easy. It's Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl. We'll, uh, we'll just kind of recap here and 
Star-studded senior bowl. Jerry Rice, you know, Ed McCaffrey, Steve. Making my return, man. It's going to be. That's what, he's, that's what he's alluding to. All-star cast. That is what he's alluding to. I haven't been there in a few years. Um, Making your triumphal I think return. I've been to three senior bowls. I had to leave one early due to a, a family incident. Mm. It was not great. Got in on Monday night and had to book a flight for <laughs> Tuesday morning to leave. Yeah. My, uh, luckily, my, my son had an incident, but he was, uh, he was okay after that. But it was, it was a rough night. Yeah. But I'm back. I'm going to be... Uh, yeah, as he said, sideline access. Uh, last time I was there, I made it a point. I, Dan Marino and John Elway were on the sideline having a conversation. And I positioned myself in a way that looked like I was almost a part of the conversation. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So to get me, a photo Dan, of it? Or yeah. Or to just, to just be there? No, I got a photo somewhere. Yeah, One perfect. of the senior, but it's me, right. me, Dan, and John. Just, just three Hall of Famers. Just, uh, you know, yucking it up on the sideline at the Senior Bowl. So... I'm, I, I like that he was open to the prospect of you being a camp arm there. I think we could get some real mileage out of that. He was. He's you like, pitch we... your phone to somebody else, we can get footage of that. So here's Steve firing the ball to uh, Lad McConkey. <laughs> to Lad McConkey. Oh, they would be so mad. All right, well, here's a, here's a quick funny story. The, um, when, I was, when I was training for, you know, my, when I was a professional baseball player, yeah. I would train with NFL Combine hopefuls. Uh-huh. And so I trained with the current uh, University of New Hampshire head coach, Ricky Santos. He was okay. a quarterback at UNH. His receiver was David Ball. And Ball was the receiver that he broke all of Jerry Rice's records yeah. at UNH. Played with the Jets a little bit. So we were all training partners. And so we would go to this tennis court across the street to, like, you know, do some extra running and throwing. And Ricky had this fresh NFL ball. He was practicing throwing with the NFL ball. It's a little thicker than right. college. And... Uh, and I grabbed the ball, and he's like, yeah, don't throw it. Don't throw it. I'm like, no, I got this. Don't worry about it. Because he didn't want me to – he didn't want to – Ruin it. He didn't want to scuff it up. Right. So I wind up, and I chuck one to David Ball, and I skip it right along the tennis court. And I thought Ricky was going to punch me in the face. He yeah. was so mad. He's got this fresh, nice NFL ball. I'm, I'm a professional pitcher. I know how to throw a ball. You know, football's a little different. Yeah. And I chuck it scuff, and scuff the whole thing. I will, yeah. Accuracy might not be great. I will say, though, the, the people in the chat are denigrating your arm strength, having seen it live, you throwing a baseball. <sighs> I used to throw hard, though. No, no. I will say, look, I am the first in line to mock your arm strength when it comes to throwing a baseball. Um, your 74 slash 75 mile an hour fastball is vaguely pitiful. But you can still fire a football with some legit velocity. There's something to do with, I don't know, the size of the ball, the just the heft of the thing. You can still rifle a football. Like, when we had that metal target thing, I was not in the least bit concerned about the ball ever going through the hole, but I thought there was a pretty <laughs> good chance that you were going to dent the sheet steel that the thing was made out of. I might break it. Because of the velocity, you can still fire a football. So it might not get to the receiver you're aiming at, but if it does, it's going to get there quickly and look legit. You don't give me a whole lot of compliments. I think that was a little, you know, backhanded, backhanded one, but compliment. we'll take it. Yeah. We'll take it. It's as good as you're going to get. Uh, we've got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. We have a lineup this weekend. Uh, we won last weekend. But uh, this weekend, we're looking at uh, Christian McCaffrey going more than a half rushing yard. That's a special right there. More than a half rushing yard. I think we'll get that one. Feels okay. Travis Kelsey going more than 30 to 39 and a half receiving yards. Amonra St. Brown going more than 59 and a half receiving yards. And then Gus Edwards going more than 37 and a half rushing yards. We're on the more side here. We like to skew positive here at PFF. You can do whatever you want, though, over at Prize Picks. It's the largest daily fantasy sport pla- uh, sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. You pick more, you pick less. It's that easy. Instead of battling thousands of players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than a two to six player stat projection and watch the winnings roll in. You can play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz. You could do that under the community plays, under the promos tab of the app to view entries for some of the, from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so the entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So you saw our lineup. We're going to win again this weekend. It's all over at prizepicks.com slash PFFNFL. Use the code PFFNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash PFFNFL. Use the code PFFNFL. First deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. What are you smirking at here, Sam? <laughs> Just the chat. Uh, David in the chat says, Big Goofy can spin it. Oh, <laughs> dude. 
I got to stop telling these very personal, hurtful stories <laughs> because people like to throw them back in my face. The fact that a man and his 10-year-old were calling me Big Goofy, <laughs> goofy at, an, at an Iowa Cubs game. <laughs> That's rough. That's the, funny, though. Yeah. The story that I read the other day was this uh, 42-year-old. So he was the 2002 draft class, got drafted. He used to throw in the high 90s, but he's still training Wait, pitchers. up since playing? What? He's gone up since playing? Yes, that's the whole point. So what I, I he's just like do, maintained, you know. No, I mean, I used to live in this world. I used to live in this world of studying pitcher mechanics and trying to improve my velocity. And I did go from a high 80s, you know, average uh, fastball to like, say, 91, 92, which is a pretty big jump, right? And I could touch 94. Believe me, I could. <laughs> Supposedly 96 on one gun one time. Okay. I don't believe it, though. Right. And so I used to live in that world. So this guy is still living in that world. He's training pitchers. And now for fun, continuing to train himself and going through all the work and everything. And supposedly could touch 101 at 42 years old. Because yeah. he's learned um, the specific techniques, mastered them, the training and all that stuff. Um, and he's training other pitchers doing it. Hmm. Meanwhile, I've gone the other way. Quite. I'm back Quite to the severely. 70s. Yeah. And I was trying to explain to you the other day, like I was never... Like, this guy had a high 90s fastball. He had right. that naturally. My natural fastball is probably in the 80s. And then I had to work to get it up to where I was. And as soon as I stopped working, like, that thing is gone. You know, I didn't have natural velocity. But that was um, both fascinating and discouraging all at the same time that someone a little older than me is throwing 101. Yeah. He's not even, so. like, trying to get signed or anything right. by a team. Just for just fun. Like, just for fun. Right. We're just doing Just it. out there throwing 100 for giggles. Maybe I should. Meanwhile, you're warming up for 45 minutes to gas it up to 75. Maybe I should train again. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, or if nothing else, just get rid of the warm-up. You know? It doesn't feel like it did much. The warm-up is necessary, so you I don't, don't think blow your arm out. I think if you're throwing 75, it's not necessary. So we're getting booted. Uh, oh, yeah, they've been hovering oh, for a while. the management team is hovering for a while. So management, hovering. you know, uh, there is one daily show yeah. in PFF. Mm-hmm. And the management team, senior management, upper management here, upper. has decided that uh, we have to have a meeting of the entire company right in the middle of our show. It's got to yeah. be. It's the only time we can do it. Yeah. So they're trying to boot us out of the studio. Yeah. They've been hovering for a while now. Well, they're going to wait. I, I told Tyler 1130. Okay. So we've got a minute. All right. You tell everybody about AG1 tomorrow then. Okay. We'll push, can we push that to tomorrow? Yeah, Is that sure. legal? We need, to, well, we need to push him to vote for us for the last couple of days. Vote for us for the podcast. We have, I think, three days remaining to get your vote in to help us win an award because we have to steal the last award that we had for this podcast. But we are a finalist for the Best American Football Podcast on the Sports Podcast Awards. You can find the link to vote, which is now doable by phone. Very quickly, easy, done. Do it by phone. You can find the link in the description of this podcast wherever you're listening or watching it or on my pinned tweet at pff underscore sam which i'm gonna i'm gonna retweet right now just to make sure everyone's got it yeah make sure everybody's got it get your vote in we're running out of time we appreciate it uh chris is coming in to boot us out of the studio Mm -hmm. we got about 30 seconds big real hard out it's real serious here today they're Mm -hmm. they're they're kicking us right out of here yeah but um we'll be back again tomorrow you'll be here doing something yeah what day is tomorrow friday friday you'll talk about ag1 and remind people about jimmy's how they get free shipping using uh, PFF NFL pod promo at jimmysfamousseafood.com. Which gets you crab cakes Do and all crab that egg rolls and all the goodness. Hurry up and order your Super Bowl meal and your conference championship meal right mm. now. All right, that's it. Appreciate yeah. Jim Nagy joining us. We'll have him on the podcast again. I'll be giving you live coverage from the Senior Bowl next week. And uh, yeah, appreciate everybody. We'll see you again tomorrow with more PFF NFL podcasts.